technology. We thank and praise God for your presence today, and we just glorify you, uh, the name of the Lord, and we're thankful and grateful for your listening in. Amen. Now, we invite your attention this morning to the book of Psalms. Psalms 142 will be our base scriptures. Psalms 142. Psalms 142 will be our base scripture. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you just bless and anoint your word. Use me for your glory. We pray, Father God, as it enter into the airways, Father God, it will accomplish that which has been set out for. We thank you now, praise you, and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Psalms 142. We'd like to uh, speak to you this morning about the challenges of life. The challenges of life. Life can be challenging, and life is challenging. But it comes down to a point when we have to be able to uh, work through the challenges that life brings. And one of the uh, key players that we want to talk about this morning that shows us uh, situations and circumstances and how we can maneuver uh, through the challenges of life is, is David. Uh, We're going to begin reading at Psalms 142 and looking at verse number 1. Verse number 1 says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplications. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. One thing about the challenges of life, it will make you pray. The challenges of life will put you on your knees it will it will make you begin to call on the name of the lord so and not only that but we have to understand that when david wrote this particular text he was in a cave but yet he was crying out to god because he was going through so let's look at some circumstances how he ends up in the cave and it's ironic how god does things oftentimes we we think that things should be one way but god himself he does things totally different he tells things totally different let's go to the book of samuel uh first samuel uh chapter number 22 first samuel chapter number 22 and we're going to look at verse number one first samuel chapter number 22 he's he's in a cave so we want to understand how did he end up in this cave he sometimes when i when we're running from our enemy and and that's that spirit called saul and saul are the challenges of life we will find ourselves in a hiding place we'll find ourselves in a dark place we will find ourselves hiding out in in, in a cave from the challenges of life he, here he is. He's, David had gotten to the point where he, 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 his enemy was so against him that even though he played this beautiful music to help calm that spirit called Saul, those challenges of life, and there's things that we do that will soothe our soul, especially or bring us comfort when we have challenges in life. But what happened is David ends up, he's on a run. He goes there to a temple and he begins to ask for food for, for those men that was with him. And he began to act crazy. 
Because, see, sometimes when you're going through the challenge of life, sometimes you just got to act like you're crazy. Amen. So he began to act like he was crazy, and, and, and they began to look and search for him. The enemy will search you out. The enemy will put you on the run. The challenges of life, that's what will put you on the run and cause you to be in a cave. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter number 22, watch what happens now. He's in the, he's in the cave. Verse number 1 says this. David therefore departed thence, and he escaped to the cave of Dulan. And when his brethren and all of his father's house heard it, they went down to him. Now, the word of Dublin there, it, it, that particular word, it, it means a place of justice for the people. Now, when you're facing challenges of life, challenges of life, when you're facing the challenges of life, now, when you're in that, that, that difficult place, when you're in that low place, when you're in that place of, of struggle, when you're in that place of hardship, when you're in that place where it's very difficult and you're in challenges, the first people to show up when you're in a hard place in life is family. Can I get an amen? Here it says that, that when David was in the cave, when we're in that cave, when we're in that dark place, when we're in that situation when we can't see our way out, the first people shows up is, is the family. The latter part of verse 1 in chapter number 22 says when his father heard where he was, people, when they hear where you are, they want to show up and, and, and uh, give them, have a pity party with you. They want to come and sit down with you. But what gets me... All these things are allowed to happen by the Lord. Now, David, he's in a cave. And the very ones that showed up with him, talking about his father knows, his family, they show up while he's in the cave. Now, these are the people that don't believe in you. People that don't believe in you, do not want to go where you're going, or can't wait until God gets you where you're going, they're going to be the first one to come and show up in that cave with you. Now, how do I know, how do I know that, that his family was the one that didn't believe in who he was and what God had called for him to do? Well, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number 16. 1 Samuel chapter number 16. I want to show you something. Family don't always believe in where you're going. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts and ways are higher than ours. So when God begins to do a thing in our life at the very beginning... We go through a process before we even arrive where God wants us to be. But family will not understand that. They don't understand the, the process. Now, 1 Samuel chapter number 16 says this. Now, when God gets ready to anoint you, that does not mean you're going to get in that position at that moment. Sometimes when God tells us what he's going to do in our life, the first thing we think we've already arrived. No, we've got to go through the process. We've got to go through the process. Now, 1 Samuel chapter number 16 verse 1 says this. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul? Now, seeing I have rejected him from ruling, reigning over Israel, Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse's house. Now, the word Jesse there means a, a, a gift. I will send you to Jesse's house, the Bessemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. Now, whenever the Lord, whenever the Lord chooses to, to, to take one down and place up another, he always sends someone, a prophet, or a seer to be one to go and anoint him. That's the way it was in that particular time. Now, we have to understand now, Samuel is a seer. 
He, he's, he's a prophet, and people are afraid when seers come to town. It's not like it is today. You know, there was a time when, when, when leaders, when pastors and prophets and all that seers, they were respected, especially the seer. People was in fear when they showed up in town. But right now, uh, uh, there is no respect for clergy anymore. There's no respect. And there's a reason why there's no respect. But we can't put everybody in the same boat. Can I get an amen? Amen. So, so he shows up now, and, and the people are afraid uh, of what's going on. And, and he begins to say, he's following the, the, uh, the outlines of the Lord, that God tells him to go and anoint a king that he had chosen. Now, we have to understand something. Now, the Lord says this to me. A king is made. Hmm. And that's why we can't judge anything before it's time. A king is made. A king has to go through a process. A king is also overlooked. And, and see, by, by the, sometimes when we see what we see in an individual, we do not see that, see that king in, in them. But we will overlook the king because we expect something different. What happens here, when David, uh, when, when Saul begins to, to uh, is rejected, and, and the Lord himself is saying to, saying to Samuel, so listen, go to Jesse's house. Slow down, Brendan. Go to Jesse's house. Go to Jesse's house. Go to Jesse's house. I want you to anoint a king from Jesse's house. He's from the house of bread, Bethlehem. But when he goes there, now Jesse brings all of his sons, all of his sons before Samuel. Because Samuel has to anoint him. He brings all his sons. His, his oldest son he brings, and he says, uh, he, surely he was going to be the one to be anointed. But then the Lord says to him, don't look on the countenance or his height of stature. He said, don't look on the appearance of man. You have to look at the heart of man. And see, that's what was happening. We, we like to choose leaders by their appearance, by their accountants, by what they have, by what they possess, and not by their heart. But God said, you've got to choose them by the heart. So what Jesse does now, he brings all his sons before him. He brings seven sons before Samuel. And what does the Lord say? The Lord said, that's not the one. That's not the one. Remember what God says. Now, when you begin to judge now, don't judge by his countenance, nor his height or his stature. But he says, judge how he judge. God doesn't judge on the outward appearance. What God does, he look, God looketh on the heart of that individual to make a king. Now, reading verse number 10 in First Samuel chapter number 16. Now, verse 10 says, again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen thee. You see, a lot of times man would choose people. But that's not who God has chosen. Because, see, you got to know the heart. I've been praying. I said, God, you got to do something about my heart. Because my heart is, is so loving and, and, and forgiving that people can walk all over my heart. And I'm still loving and still forgiving. Amen. So I've been asking God to kind of help me with that. Amen. Sometimes I feel like I'm too loving and too forgiving and all that stuff. And I was like, Lord, you're going to have to help me. So, but, but here he is now. Jesse says, and surely, you know, uh, uh, one of these sons are, are, are the one. Now, Samuel says, no, the Lord hadn't chosen any of these. Now, watch how a king is overlooked, okay? Look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, 
there remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. See, a king is always busy. A king is always doing something. You know, the king is not always at a place of accessibility. Now, it says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. Verse 12 says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, And he sent and he brought him in. Now he was, look at him, look at his countenance. Nothing compared to that first son. He was rudy and withal a beautiful countenance. He didn't have a beautiful countenance. And he wasn't goodly to look upon. And the Lord says, Arise, anoint him, for he is he. Now, just think about that. That which we think should be, God says, No, that should not be. See, God knows that in the process of time, he knew what you have to go through in order to reach that kingship and that rulership. We don't automatically get there. But see, what happens, God says, now, the one that I choose are the ones that doesn't look like much, and that's how Christ was. They say he wasn't nothing uh, uh, beautiful to look upon. You know, it was nothing about Christ desire, that we desire. You know, so here he is. He's, he's a little, little, little young fellow. He's, he, but there's something different about him. He had a heart for God. You see, you got, not only can you have a heart for God, but you've got to have a heart for God's people. You have to have a heart for God's people. Now, let me say something. Everybody has not reached the point where God wants them to be. I had a conversation this uh, last week, and it kind of bothered me. It really disturbed me. And they began to talk about, uh, I received a text, and it was asking me, did I hear about the, um, uh, the superintendent in Cherokee County that was arrested for DUI? And I, and I responded back, and I said, yes, I did. I said, but that lets you know everybody on every level has problems. That lets me know that everybody on every level has problems. Amen. But the response that I got was because of who they are, because of the positions they hold, they should know better. Well, you don't know the whole life of that individual. That thing bothered me. It disturbed me because that let me know they did not have a compassion for God's people. I don't know what the latest problem was. Then a week later, here we come along with a council person, a council lady. She got stopped for DUI. So the main thing we should do for people, because we don't ever know how God's going to bring them through or bring them out, is to pray. But what God's people, what no, I can't say that God's people, but what the church does, those that don't truly have God on the inside, they begin to judge that individual as if they are spotless and clean and the devil is a lie. There's not one that's in this made as perfect. Only perfect person is God that's here upon this earth. That's the only person, perfect person. So we need to stop condemning people because we don't know. God's word said, do not judge things before their time. See, they may not have arrived just yet. But who are you? You're not the judge. You're not the jury. And you're definitely not God. Holy Spirit, how do we get there? Help me, Holy Spirit. Hmm. He says to him now, he says now, you arise and you anoint this one. He says, now, then Samuel, he, he took the horn, verse 13, First Samuel chapter 16. Then Samuel, he took the horn of oil, he anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David 
from that day forward. So Samuel arose and he went to Ramah. So he anoints David. He anoints him as king. He's a young lad, but he has not yet taken position yet because he has to go through the process, the challenges of life, (laughs) challenges of life. Now, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter number 22. I think that's where we want to go. I hope that's where we're supposed to be going. 1 Samuel chapter number 22. 1 Samuel chapter number 22. 1 Samuel 22. Now, we know that. We know, we note, what we note is the fact that your family can't go with you. They can't go with you. Now, watch what he also says in verse 3 in 1 Samuel chapter 22. Watch what David does. He says, And David went thence to Mesa of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you till I know what God will do for me. They could not, they could not go with him. What David did, he said, now y'all, they have to stay here until I know what God is going to do with me. Sometimes and most times, family is left behind until God finishes the work that's in you. See, when God finishes the work because he's making you a king, but you're in, a, you're in process, he's making you a king. And so then, then the verse number four says, and he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hole. While he is still in the cave, he, he drops off his parents. And, and the next thing he does also in 1 Samuel chapter number 22. Let me get back here. 1 Samuel chapter 22. The, first, the next thing that he does is this, verse number 2. I hope we're traveling here. The next thing that he does in 1 Samuel chapter 22 is verse, verse 2. Now, look at who God will assign to your life while you're in the process of being made a king and being overlooked, okay? Verse 2 says, and everyone that was in distress, now look at this, everyone that was in distress, everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Now listen, while you're in the cave, while you're in a place of discontent or despondency, God gives you an army. Now look at the army. Uh, The army are people that's discontented, (laughs) they're in distress, they're in debt. Now what kind of army is that? You would think he would give you men of valor, right? You would think he would give you, give you warriors, right? But here, this army, these folk in debt, they ain't got no money, you know. They have nothing. They disheartened. They, they're frustrated. they aggravated. This is your army. Oh, my goodness. This is your army. I mean, nobody that you would choose, you, you, you would want somebody that has gone to battle with you. You would want somebody that, that is at a place, you know, that they know how to go to war. You, you, would, want, you would want that type of army. But God said, I'm going to give you people that are that, that, the outcasts. 
That's what he said. I'm going to give you the outcast for the army that I'm going to have you uh, be captain over. Now, remember now, God's ways are not like our ways. Now, if you're going to choose somebody, you're going to choose somebody that you know that's been with you. You're going to choose somebody that's strong and battle and a warrior. But yet, God said, no, I'm going to give you some frustrated folk. These are the people going to be that's in the cave with you that's going to go to battle with you. They don't, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. He said, they don't have nothing to lose. They don't have a reputation to lose. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, they don't have all this stuff, this education and, and, and these big houses and fine cars. They don't have nothing to lose. But this is your army. This is your army for your challenges in life. In other words, God said, I'm going to give you some people that's been through some things just like you. Because, see, if nobody's been through what you've been through, hey, man, how. Amen. We're going to keep going. Amen. That's the devil is a lie. He is a lie. He don't want me to deliver this word. Amen. The challenges of life. Challenges of life. The army that God will give you are the people that are just like you. That was an attack from Satan because he does not want the people to hear this because these are challenges in life that we have every day. Because we got to learn to appreciate and know the type of people that will go with us in battle. Those kind of people that, that man considers an outcast. Amen. Those type of people that man will consider an outcast. Thank you, Holy Spirit. A man will consider an outcast. Now, let's go back. Let's go back now to uh, Psalms 142. You come down here without my shoes. Amen. Without my shoes. Psalms 142. Amen. Amen. They can see me without my shoes. Be all right. Amen. Psalms 142. I'm going to get this word out. The challenges of life. Because, see, I had a title called The Cave this morning. And, and, and I kept praying to God. And I said, God, I said, that don't seem like that's, that's going to fit the text. And then, you know, uh, and then the, the day before that, I had um, the, um, the word I had was from the palace to the cave. And I said, God, that don't seem like that's right. But then this morning when I grabbed my Bible and I said, Lord, and I prayed, and I said, God, I need to know, I need to know what you want me to say that connects with the Scripture. And he says this. He says, tell them this is the challenge of life, the challenges of life. It will, the challenges of life will put you in a cave. It will put you in a dark place. But we have to understand that God is working because we're in, the, in a process. We are in a process. Now, we've dealt with that army. The, the, the outcast is the army that we will have when we're going through the challenge of life. Everybody ain't going to be there with you. Everybody's not going to be there for you. But we got to understand God is in the midst of it all. 
I'm learning that it's not about us. It's not about an individual. God has a, he has a plan. He has a thing that's set. It's just like when, when, when Joseph was being anointed, to, had this dream, and God told him about being a king and that how his parents was going to bow before him. But at that point, you would think, okay, hey, I'm going to be ruling. I'm going to be ringing. People are going to be bowing down before me. But the next thing happens to Joseph is he's in a pit. His family has turned against him. They've sold him. He's in a pit. But it was all in the will and the plan of God. He gets sold. Once he gets sold, he ends up in Potiphar's house. There, and he, you would think because Potiphar's house was prospering, you would think he would be okay with Joseph. Well, Joseph was good looking. And so therefore, uh, Potiphar's wife has eyes on him. And she lied on him. Now listen, you have been told that your next destiny, your next destiny is going to be a king ruling and ringing. But now here you are, the, the, the potiphar, the place where you're working. Here it is. Now his wife then lied on you. You've ended up in jail. And once you ended up in jail, then you, 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 you interpret a dream that, that the baker and the butler have, and you tell them, to listen, once you get there, once you get there, how about remembering me? Remember, remember me. Remember the fact that, that I've interpreted your dream. Well, when they got there, they forgot about Joseph. They forgot about what he had done and what he had said and the interpretation of the dream until the king has a dream. It's two years later. It's two years later. And all of a sudden he's called to interpret the dream. But it wasn't just about him. It was also about the people of Israel. So what the plan that God has for your life and whatever place he's going to uh, allow you to rule and reign it has somebody else connected to it. That's why it's like, oh, my God, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about a combination of things that God has in place for more than you. Amen? The challenges of life. you got to go through the challenges of life. Now, let me continue. Let me continue. Now, look at, look at uh, in Psalms 142. Let's look at verse number 4. Let's look at verse, verse number four, verse number four, and, and Psalms 142. Now, verse four says, he says, and now David's talking now. He's, he's going through. He says, I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Have you ever been in a place where nobody cared about you? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like nobody cared about me at all? He said, there was no man that would know me. and He didn't even have refuge. He didn't have refuge. There was no, no shelter, no nothing. This man was living in a cave. Here we are, and, and, and when the challenges of life, we will find ourselves in a dark place. We will find ourselves in a stronghold. And he said, there's nobody there for me. Nobody cares for my soul. Now, then watch what he says, and let's go to Psalm, I mean, First, First Samuel chapter number 23. Let me, let me show you something. First Samuel 23. I, I know I didn't give that to him, but 
I, I, I want to read it. I want, I want to read it. First Samuel chapter number 23. First Samuel chapter number 23. When he talked about nobody cared for his soul. You know, he didn't have no refuge. So you got to be careful when you help folk. You got to be careful when you help people. Amen. You got to be careful. Now, watch this in 1 Samuel chapter number 23. It says, Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah. Now, Keilah is a, a place of a, of a fortress, a place of strength. And it says, And they robbed the threshing floor. Now, people will need your help when they're going through. So the word comes now to David to listen. The Philistines, they're coming up against the strong place, right where you got all your goodies. The, the Philistines are there, and they're robbing it. They're going to take it. So what does David do? David begins to inquire from the Lord, should he go to Keilah and fight with them? Should he go there and fight with them? Huh. Well, the Lord says, yeah, go, 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 go fight with them. Go, go, go up, and you fight with them. The next thing that happens, then the Lord says to him, after they win the battle, he says to him, he said, now, uh, we'll, uh, Saul hears about the battle. Saul hears about the battle. He, he hears that they had won. Now, you remember, his army is just outcast now. His army of folk that, you know, they're distressed, disgusted, in debt, poor, whatever. And they won the battle. They had the victory. All of a sudden now, he says to them, he says, Lord, he says, now, here come my enemy, the challenges of life. Here comes Saul, the challenges of life. When Saul shows up and they hear that what, he had, what David had done, David goes and he begins to inquire again from the Lord. He says this to the Lord. He says, now, now Saul is coming, the challenges of life. They're coming. Now, will Keilah turn me over to the challenges of life? Will your friends, after you didn't help them, turn you over to the hands of the enemy? You know what happens? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to read what the response, what the Lord says in 1 Samuel 23 uh, and verse number 1, uh, verse number 11. 1 Samuel 23, verse 11. He says, Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hands? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant, and the Lord said, he will come down. The challenges of life will show up in your life. Verse 12 says, then said David, will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will deliver thee up. You see that? Now, the very ones you didn't help, the very ones you didn't save from, from their hard times, and you was there for them in the challenges of life, now they're ready to turn you over to the enemy. Anybody been there? <laughs> I mean, I looked at that, and I said, Lord, my God. I mean, you, you, you fight for them. You're right there you, when they're going through, and, 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 and they're needing somebody to help them to get through the difficult times, get through the challenges of life. They need money. You, 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 you open your, your wallet, and you begin to bless them. You help them, you know, for whatever their needs are. And just as soon as they get on their feet, can I get an amen? What do they do? They will turn you over to the enemy and forget that you've ever helped them. They act like you the enemy. Amen. Those are challenges of life. Challenges of life. But this is one thing I've learned, and we're, we're almost done. This is one thing I've learned when it comes down to the challenges of life. You cannot put your trust in the hands of man. You cannot put your trust in the arms of men. 
You can't, you can't do it. You just can't do it. God says, cursed is the man that puts his, his trust in the arms of flesh. So here, going back to Psalms 142, Psalms 142, Psalms 42, this is what David discovers after he could not discover that he can get any help from man. Because he said, don't nobody care about my soul. Nobody cares if I'm going through. Nobody cares about if I have hardships. He says, there's nobody there for me. There's no refuge. There's no help. There's no assistance. He said, there's nobody that cares for my soul. And then he come to the realization of this. He says in verse 5 in Psalms 142, he says, I cried unto who? Thee, O Lord. You've got to make your cry unto the Lord. He says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Not the land of the dead. He said, you are my refuge where I am among the living, in the land of the living. God, you are my refuge. You are my shelter. You are where I reside. You are my hiding place. Amen. See, this is where we've got to get to. When the challenges of life come forth, we've got to understand and see and acknowledge, God, you are my only help. You are my only help. Because people will leave you stranded. People. Anybody been stranded before by people? Amen. People will leave you. Those that you've helped, you've been there, you, you know, you, you, you made the sacrifice. <laughs> you made the sacrifice to help them. And then when you need them, they're not there. It's all about them. You know, hey, you know, challenges of life, challenges of life. But he got to understand, God, you are my refuge. You are my strength. You are my hope. You are my very present help in the time of trouble. God, you are everything that I need. He says in the land of living, God, you are my portion. Ah, Jesus. Then verse 6 says, he says, attend to my cry. He's saying, God, he's beckoning the Lord. He said, listen to me, God. He said, for I am brought where? Very low. Now listen, he's been anointed to be the next king. But he has been brought very low. Then he makes a request. He says, deliver me from my persecutors. We got some persecutors out there. The challenges of life will be your persecutor. (laughs) Amen. He says, deliver me from my persecutor. He said, for they are stronger than I. That's how we know that we need the Lord. Amen. That's how we know that we need God. And then verse 7 says, bring my soul out of prison. Bring my soul out of prison. See, when you're in that cave, it's just like being locked up. When you're in that cave, when you're in that dark place, it's just like being locked up. He says, bring my soul out of prison that I may, what? Praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. God, David came to that understanding. The Lord, I need you to do these things for me. He began to cry out. He began to plead with the Lord. Amen. And God, and he says, he knew at the end, God was going to deal bountifully with me. So whatever your challenges are in life, God, remember that God is your refuge. You don't have to go to man for your ref, to be your refuge. You need to go to God. You know, and, and let me tell you something, and, and we're closing. Um. Uh, I'm going to tell you how, how um, 
all-knowing and all, and and omnipotent he is. I'm talking about God now. I've been doing this study in, in, about a prayer life. Been doing it now for maybe a month and a half, almost two months. And the battery uh, uh, in our uh, uh, vehicle was going dead in the remote. And we started struggling we'll get to, in order to get the car to crank. And so I knew we needed the battery. So I, I began to um, uh, look in, in the remote, and it said we needed a CR2032 of the battery. Okay, Lord. So the next day, I, I had made up in my mind I was going to go to Walgreens and get a, a battery, a CR 2032. Let me show you how powerful God is. Our, my mind's already made up. I got to go out. I got to buy a battery. The Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you got a battery. See, you got a battery 2032 in, in the drawer. I said, I do. Now, you know, those are very unique batteries.